It's KNPR State of Nevada. I'm Luis Hernandez. Private jets, bottomless liquor bottles, and $20,000 hands of blackjack. All in today's work for Steve Sear. Steve Sear wrote the book on how to lure big shots and high rollers to Vegas casinos. People who will come and gamble thousands, tens of thousands, millions of dollars over the course of a weekend. As the host and liaison to the casino, Steve Sear made things happen for these high rollers. If one of these high-state gamblers wanted to jet off to Mount Charleston to get away from the Strip, Sear would have a helicopter on the roof in 30 minutes. If another wanted a weekend in the Greek Isles to cruise around on a private yacht, he only needed to drop a call to Sear to make it happen. And all of this would be on the casino's dime, of course. So how does that work? Well, it works because of the ten, twenty, even $30,000 bets per hand these guests are leaving behind at casino tables. Steve Sears' life and career as a host is chronicled in the book Whale Hunt in the Desert, Secrets of a Vegas Superhost. And Steve Sear joins us today in studio. Steve Sear, welcome to the program. Wow, good introduction. <laughs> what is the strangest request uh, you ever received? I think strangest request... Um, I'll give you a couple of different varieties. You know, one is I have a couple customers where their food is really picky. One guy, we have to strain yogurt through cheesecloth, and I'm not sure if it's the part that we catch or that goes through, and that can only be his butter on his certain toast that we literally fly in from India. It's unbelievable. I have another guy that has a soothsayer. This is a true story. It's so funny. And, you know, I, I have little superstitions, but the soothsayer will tell him what floor he should be on. So in this case, we were at the Hilton, and the best suites, of course, are on the 30th floor, and that's the 15,000-square-foot, $40 million Sky Villas. No, no, the soothsayer said you have to be on 11. Well, 11 was full of all these, you know, Navy guys that are in partying for the weekend, and they're all standard rooms, but guess what? We moved the whole floor out so he could have the 11th floor. You know, he lose $6 million. I'm like, dude, you got to get rid of that soothsayer, you know. I mean, so it's just funny. Uh, different cultures. Uh, most of my big whales, um, it's not really strange requests. It's just, okay, my girlfriend has to have this kind of car, and it's this BMW. You know, the guy just lost like a million and a half. You could go buy her a car, but no. Have you ever been asked anything you couldn't get? Oh, yeah, drugs. And I think the other stereotype, Lewis, is that all my big customers are big partiers, and they're not. My guys are addicted to gambling. Man, they love to come in for a big event and stay at the table. So usually uh, the weird requests are, hey, I want to split aces four times, double down after a split, and then I want my buddy to be able to play on the table 10 bucks a hand, and he's betting 10000 a hand. My biggest player, now his average bet, every roll of the dice, is about hundred and eighty grand. And when I started 20 years ago, he would bring 25 grand and has his age and wealth has increased. Now he brings five to seven million. So it's pretty cool. Let, let's, and let's talk about these guys. Okay. The, they're called whales. Correct. We have to understand, you know, how important a term that is for the casino world. What is a whale? Well, uh, two quick definitions. One, a high roller, and you'll, you'll, you will hear that term a lot. That, to me, is somebody that I'm going to comp on a weekend, uh, a 25000 which means they're going to risk twenty five grand that weekend to say quarter of a million. A whale doesn't necessarily have to be a guy that brings a million dollars. I have a lot of whales that live in Beverly Hills, Southern California. Now, they only bring hundred to 200000 a trip. I imagine we say only. That's how jaded I've become. But they come every month. So in a course of a year, I can win a few million dollars. Or you have the guys, um, my biggest player is a general from Thailand, and he brings five to seven million, but he only comes two or three times a year. So a whale is definitely anyone that will risk seven figures, we'll say, every three or four months. 
not necessarily I think people on, you know, when they watch TV, they think, oh, a guy brings $10 million. And, you know, like Kerry Packer, you know, used to bet 150000 a hand. Not necessarily anymore, but there's still a lot of guys that will risk a million dollars on a weekend. Do you have to have a certain amount of money? Do you have to be a certain level of wealth to be considered a whale? Uh, not necessarily wealth, but uh, risk. Yeah, to be a whale, you need to risk at least a quarter of a million dollars on a weekend in Vegas. Are there a lot of whales in the world? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, somebody in a, the other day uh, from Australia called me and said, yeah, we heard there's like only 60 whales. Oh, there's a ton of that. I have 70, and I'm just one guy. I have 70 guys that will risk quarter million to five million on a weekend in Vegas, and they're all active right now. And that makes me like Michael Jordan. There's only 52 weeks in a year, and I have 70 guys now. I don't have thousands of players. I think the other thing, oh, you must know thousands of big gamblers. No, I'm just one guy. But I lose about 15 to 20% of my database every year, so I have to be networking out at clubs, and I know, you know, if the Delmar racetrack is open, I mean, I have to continue to find whales. How, how do you lose them? Um, well, three ways. One, uh, they're tired of gambling. Or uh, they're tired of Steve Sear. That one doesn't happen often, but it happens. Or they're just broke. You know, uh, Larry Flint is really the only whale that I know that has literally been a million-dollar player for my whole career. I met him about 20 years ago, and he still comes in every other month with seven figures. He's still your client? Uh, he is in Vegas. He likes to play at the Venetian a lot um, because he gets a, a nice lucrative deal there. I, I represent the Hard Rock right now, which isn't really ready for Larry's bets, but I take care of him at the Atlantis and other properties. So Larry really kind of helped my career. When you're networking, you're out looking for new clients. Mm -hmm. What are you looking for? Uh, risk takers. Uh, not necessarily wealthy people. You know, there's a great story in the book on how I had to kick out uh, Mr. Bill Gates one night from a suite. He was there, and he was spending 10000 a night, and I had a big player coming in, and he was supposed to check out, and he had called down to the concierge front desk and said, you know, I'm Bill Gates. And wait, wait, you guys kicked out Bill Gates? I did, personally, with the security guards, yeah, 100% oh, true story. Oh, okay, hold on a second. You, you have to go in and kick out Bill Gates. Well, look, it's a well, bit— what look, happened? Look, look. You've never done it, but let's make a business decision. Do I want Bill Gates in there, even if he pays me fifteen grand a night, or Larry Flint, that his first bet's going to be 45000 three hands at fifteen? I mean, it's a business decision. I don't ever want to rent that room. Somebody in Hilton Corporate had given Bill Gates a Sky Villa. Big mistake. I want it to sit empty because when a whale shows up, if I don't have the room, I lose him. Larry's first bet is three hands at 15000 He never wavers, forty five grand. The most Gates was, and I even said to him, why don't you go down and get a credit line? Give me a shot at some money. You know, give me some strength to keep you in this room. Well, I don't, and he just didn't get it. He's a very smart man. I'll never have his wealth. <laughs> but, dude, you're out. I'm like, either I'm packing you or security's packing you, but you're leaving right now. What happened when you kicked him out? Uh, he, he was upset. Can I say pissed? Well, how does, how, does, how, does, how does a Bill Gates come off when he's upset? Uh, you know, he got sweating. He didn't understand. He said, listen, I'm willing to pay whatever it takes. I want to stay in this villa. I said, look, the deal was you're supposed to leave. This was like a Tuesday and he was here over the, uh, Comdex show. You know, he was like the guest speaker or, or whatever you call it. And, uh, I was the senior director of player development. I, I was in charge of the sky villas. You know, uh, the hotel should have never given him the room. They did. I need him to leave or I'm going to lose. Uh, and I got a little heat, but then uh, when Baron Hilton's office called and I explained it to him, listen, do you want a shot at $2 million or do you want his little fifteen grand a night? You know, 
and my guy's going to take care of the staff, and my guy's going to fire he, it up. He didn't so, give you the, you know who I am? Oh, he did give me the, okay. you know who I am. And I go, of course. <laughs> I go, you know, I'm terrible on the computer. I have Windows, you know. So uh, that's just one little story. But um, I don't know if I answered your question, you know. So I, I think the weirdest requests aren't, aren't usually what people think. It's uh, one guy for his 75th birthday. He had won a million dollars, and my deal with him is as long as he gave me a shot every month at a million dollars, I would take him anywhere in the world. Uh for vacation and you know we we did the hawaii thing and then we did the jamaica thing and then one day he called me he goes i want to go whitewater rafting i go okay well how hard can that be in costa rica and it's like level six or whatever and looked it up I go, what the hell is level six you know it's like you know he was 75 but he didn't care it, he was gonna die and have you ever had to put your life on the line for one of these guys uh no been threatened a little bit uh had a couple times where game control board had to help out because you know i'm not a librarian uh, Lewis, you know, some of my guys shouldn't be there. A third of my customers are like uh, Montel Williams or Michael Jordan or Larry Flint. They're so wealthy, it doesn't matter. You know, win or lose a million, it's not going to change their lifestyle. The other third is uh, risk-taking, and they're not going to be back in the next couple of years. And then the last third are just complete orangutans. Uh, so, you know, the orangutans are what gets you in trouble. We're talking with Steve Sear. He's a career casino host, and over the course of his 20-plus year career, he's handled some of the biggest gamblers to visit Las Vegas. Steve Sear is the subject of author Deke Castleman's book, Whale Hunt in the Desert, Secrets of a Vegas Superhost. Deke Castleman, in his book, wrote about you that you are the casino seducer and that with your clients, you hobnob with them, host them in, in the process, you relieve them of millions of dollars a year. <laughs> All right, so take us behind that velvet rope. What... Walk us through, you know, your your whale comes in. I, I'd imagine he's not flying in on, you know, Southwestern. Oh, yeah, no, he's no, He's not no. in a cab, and he's not walking through the front door. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, um, you know, golf streams, it was really cool. Even in my early 20s, I had one customer that I literally picked up every Wednesday. He uh, lived in San Diego, and he'd go to his board meeting at 8 o'clock and act upset and say, we'll reconvene at 5 o'clock. And I would leave um, on the Hilton Gulf Stream at about 7 in the morning, go to San Diego, pick him up. He'd come back. We'd have a little lunch. He'd gamble till 4 o'clock and then take him back every day. No one ever knew that he was even in the building. Um, I work for some casinos in other jurisdictions where we have private gaming, like at the Barona, and we call it the Bat Cave. The limo pulls into an all-marble. I mean, this garage, they must have spent two three hundred grand on and then he can pick where he wants to play we can have go-go dancers and make it like a disco or we can make it like a library you know whatever his motif wants depending if he's bringing his boys or just by himself and because of who he is he never walks upstairs he goes in the bat cave into gamble back in the bat cave back to the private helicopter that takes him to the private plane that takes him home so it's really cool we never see these people nope. Ever. We never say, and he's not like, registered. He doesn't put up a credit card. I have his keys myself, the butler, the dealer, the floorman. That's it. About and, five people know that he's there. And we never see the entrances to any of these no, places. No. You know, no, if you go to like the, even the back of the Rio, they have the Palazzo, the MGM mansion. You can kind of see on the outside, but then you'll never really see all the. In Nevada, you, you can have private gaming, but you still have to kind of have access. So if you really looked, you could probably go through a back tunnels but then security we're going to make you feel uncomfortable so you leave they can ask for almost anything they want mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. 
when they come in, what, how, how do they request it? I mean, I, I'm trying to picture this as a, if I'm a whale and I come in and I say, all right, as you had mentioned before, you know what? I want my meal at this hour. I want this way. You got to string the yogurt through a silk napkin, as right, you right, mentioned. Right. Uh, you know what? How about if they ask for women or anything like that? Well, well, well two things. One is I think people have to understand I, I'm more like a Jerry Maguire, and the tough things they ask for are the conditions at that level of the game. Okay, if I lose a million dollars, how quick do I have to pay? 36 or 90 days. If I pay you instantly, can I get a 20% discount? Like if Larry loses a million, he doesn't pay a million. He pays 800000 We give him 20% off. Is that normal, by the way? Uh, depending on the player, yes. Discounts are normal. Miss, Mr. Steve Wynn started them in the 80s, and now we're kind of stuck with him. We, we usually around town, the threshold is 150 grand. If you lose 150, we'll give you 10% back or 15 grand, depending on how quick you pay, because we want them to pay and play. You want three months to pay? Fine, but no discount. And I'm negotiating, okay, in dice, can I get six, eight, and 10 times odds? If I play a shoe, can I split aces four times? Can I double down after a split? Can I have surrender? They want more liberal rules, which helps them. If I'm playing roulette, I want a single zero rule. So most, of, most, basically, a lot of the requests have to do with the gambling. Correct. The, the gambling, the situation, am I going to get promotional chips? Are you going to make, like Larry, I make his first bet for him. I give him forty-five grand. We make the first bets on the house, and then oh, my girlfriend's here, and that's where you get the pain in the asses. We call them the Pitas, Mister and Mrs. Pita. I want her to go shopping, and she needs five thousand dollars shopping spree at the forum shops, and then we want only George to give her the massage, and she wants oxygen, you know, and then oh, and then of course the meals. Gamblers are never on time. We'll have the meal ready at eight o'clock, and they show up at midnight, and then we want two booths at Vanity and the with all, You know what? I'm listening to all this with okay. all of these requests, all of this stuff you've got to give them. Why does a casino chase after a whale? Well, because look, it's all smoke and mirrors and fluff. Okay, so the perfect example is at rehab, the party at the Hard Rock that is in the the news so much now. You can get a bottle of Sky Vodka which you know you can go to Albert's and get it for really $18, and we sell it for 450 bucks. It's the same thing. I'm giving them a room. It's a made to clean it. You know what I mean? I mean, you're going to risk a million dollars, and i got to get you some food and that. I mean, think of the profit margins. It's a beautiful thing. That's why for years we kept building them. Of course, the recession hit, but, um, yeah, I mean, that's why. It, it's a business decision. I mean, would you spend $2,000 on fight tickets if I'm going to risk 100000 Of course. Right, so it's just simple business 101. You know, I'm a, I'm a 2.3 from UNLV. I'm not a brainiac. I'm just a salesman. You Is know? It, what, what, I, I want to know what percentage of the casinos take every year comes from big whales. How much? Well, it, it depends on the casino. If we're talking about Circus Circus or the Sahara Riviera, very small. If you're talking a place like Wynn or Wynn in Macau, you know, it's the 80-20 rule. 80% of your revenue is from 20% of your customers for sure. You know, at the Hard Rock the other night, we beat a guy out of a million bucks. That's a lot of $5 bets, baby. That really helps. Now, the guy can win, too. And remember, people win a lot. People don't realize that. For every 100000 we drop in the box, if we hold 14% or win fourteen grand, that's a great day. People think, oh, no, we, we have weeks where we get our butts kicked. Carrie Packer kicked your butts a lot. Oh, yeah. That's a bad story. I, yeah, my, my stomach's cringing now. I know the story that you, you Did read. Did he take away your bonus one? <laughs> so bad because I was young. Oh, no, it's a true story, because uh, I know you're going to tell it anyway. It was like two days before New Year's Eve. Our EBIT at that time uh, was like $58 million. We What's were, EBIT? Uh, in, earnings before interest and taxes. And I was in a bonus pool where I had my base salary, and then I would get another fifty to 60000 in bonus if we hit our EBITDA number. 
and we were way over. We were like 62 million. And it was like two days before New Year's. I'd already ordered my new car. <laughs> I was going through a Trans Am phase then. So I'd ordered a new like $36,000 tricked out Trans Am Ram Air. And because uh, I was going to get my bonus first week of January. New, two days before New Year's, Kerry Packer comes in. They let him bet three hands at 50, 150,000 a hand. You know, he wins a million. It's okay. You know, whatever. Comes back the next day and smokes us. New Year's Eve day afternoon. Man, I mean, for like nine million bucks, cashes out, tips Christine in the sting uh, because I had to cash her out a hundred grand. That was a little loud singer. She got a hundred grand. Yeah. So our EBITDA now is back to 56 million. No bonuses. Is that a record, uh, by the way? Record earnings? Uh, he walked away with 20 million. Yeah. Yeah. Around, around town. He, he had won everywhere. Probably. Um, I know one customer that won about 14 not too long ago. But, yeah, that, that had to be. He really fired it up. So so minus Kerry Packer. Again, mention in the book, you're the seducer. How do you seduce these guys out of their money? Well, uh, usually, first of all, it's the deal. I think I think the, the stereotype is, oh, you must, you know, give them diamonds and women and all that good stuff. Which, by the way, I'll get back to that question that you asked earlier. Um, but, no, it's more about the deal. You know, um, it's about the relationship. You know, uh, I've called some customers for three, four years to finally get them. I've uh, one customer I had to fly to Jamaica and literally go golfing with him. And I'm a terrible golfer, by the way, for a week to get him to, you know, convince him that I could get him the best deals when he's in town, uh, take care of his family. One customer I took water skiing in Missouri for two weeks about six years ago before he ever played with me a dollar. I said, listen, let's take care of your family. Let me show them the high life. And then he felt obligated because his kid came back and said, oh, Steve, we had such a great time water skiing. Well, it sounds like you're getting really personal. Are you trying to become their friend or is this a client? Uh, you know, that's that's the gray area. And my personality kind of rivals them. And they do become my friends. Like Montel Williams now is one of my best friends. And I've been his host now for 10 years. And so when he does lose, I feel bad, you know, and I make money on that. So in some jurisdictions, I only get paid if they lose. So I've said in the book and a lot of magazine interviews, I want losers. If they win in the Atlantis or, or at the Barone in San Diego, I get zero. So you seduce them. As the book says, you're the seducer. Right. And, they the know, seducer. and they know that. I, look, I make a living based on their gaming action, yes. I want them to fall in love with Steve Sear and gambling and, uh, and trust me. Look, they're going to gamble somewhere, Lewis. It might as well be with me. That's how I look at it. You know, last year, we heard the story of Terrence Watanabe. <laughs> all right, filed a civil suit in, in Clark County District Court right. against Tara, saying the casino staff routinely plied him with liquor and pain medication and systematically got him to gamble away $127 million. I, is he, that what you're trying to do? Play, he, play for broke? Is that what you're trying to get them to? I, I personally handled uh, Terry Watanabe at the Golden Nugget and a little bit at the Hard Rock and dealt with him several times. And he is full of BS. And I'd love if, and I've been an expert witness in s several different uh, cases in my career. He, he was not seduced. He it was his own worst enemy. He loved to flaunt the money. He loved to be the big gambler. He's got nobody to blame but himself. And I know that he lost millions gambling online also, and he would brag about that. So he was his own worst enemy. Um, I find it really hard to believe that anyone supplied him painkillers. I mean, look, when a guy comes in at that level and give me a drink, give me a drink. And I know several casinos pulled him off of games. 
So I, I don't I don't feel sorry for that one. That one really wanted the lifestyle. But is that what casino hosts are trying to do to get them to flaunt the money, to spend the money? Because again, it's hey, that's where your money's coming from. My, my goal is a guy loses a hundred thousand, shakes my hand, and says, "God, I had a great time. When's the next event?" You know, it's the cost of entertainment. Yes, we we want to give them that perception. Some people want to take ten or twenty grand and go to Hawaii or fly around the world. We we want to make it so enticing that they feel like it's worth it. Like, have you ever, I don't know, paid extra to be in the VIP line? Yeah, but you got in quicker. But the more money they lose, the more you can make, right? Correct. So, I want losers. So you just want somebody to lose $100,000 this weekend and then shake your hand? You, you know, but but that's when I know I did my job. A guy loses a hundred grand, says, you know what? I lost a hundred grand, but God, I had a great time. And not only did we get to see the Eagles, Steve took us backstage and we got to meet the Eagles. And, you know, I had Santana sign a guitar and my daughter got a private lesson from so-and-so in tennis. And Let, Let's go back to Watanabe, though. Okay. Because you said that you, you dealt with him. Right. Uh, did he drink a lot? Yeah. He said that he was he was given a lot of alcohol. And I know you, you already made your comment about the right. uh, the medication, but... I mean, what's the rule, by the way, with casinos when it comes to gamblers who get really intoxicated? Aren't they supposed to stop and say no more? And you know what? I know people won't believe this, but I think in the casinos I've been involved with, and I've been involved with a bunch of them, that we're pretty good at when a guy is toasted. We're like, you know what? We're not dealing to you. I, I had a guy at the Hard Rock last year where we were just literally dealing him like five bucks a hand because he was so drunk he wanted to play, and he thought he was betting five or 10000 well, I just said, you know what? Here, you can play these. And I went and took $200 and got him $205 chips and just let him play them. And then the next day he thanked me, you know. But uh, I think I, I – people won't believe this. I think we do a good job of pulling people up. I mean, especially imagine the partiers at the Hard Rock. You know, when they're wasted, we don't let them play. One, because it, it's just not going to – it's going to end bad anyway. Are you, are you never tempted to let them go? Because, again, they – Oh, no. Look, look, in my career, and it's in, has Steve Sear burned out some players? Absolutely. There's a story in the book about there's a guy, and I knew he was going to lose everything. And he gave me a check for several hundred thousand and said, don't let me lose this. And then he cornered me in the bathroom. And, you know, yeah, that, that was a real tough one because I knew he was going to go to Caesars someplace else and lose it there anyway. And he lost that back and $3 million more, and he went bankrupt. In the uh, book, I, I think we just call him Mr. So C. How, how do you look somebody in the eye knowing that, knowing that, hey, now they, they've lost it all? It's tough. You didn't, you didn't help them. You're going to cash out pretty nicely for You're this, right. You're right. You're right. I have a player that actually had to go to jail because he bounced so many markers, and I would made a few hundred grand off of him. And I used to go on Thursdays and make sure he had enough money to get sundries and stuff. Listen, they're big boys. They're going to gamble. Uh, I had a guy um, last month that won seventy-seven grand, and I know he's a degenerate, and that was a score for him. I got a check for sixty grand. I suspended his credit, and man, he was cussing me out. I said, "Here's seventeen. You go gamble and have fun." He lost it and wanted that. I FedExed the check back to him. When he got home, he called and he said, "Thank you, Steve. I would have never come home with that money if it wasn't for you." I had another player that was up about 110000 and was so drunk I put him in the room. He called me the next day and said, all right, buddy, how much do I owe? I said, meet me at the cage. I go, you owe 100 grand. He goes, okay, you got his checkbook out. I go, you idiot, you won. You don't even know it. You've got 100000 on deposit. Take that stuff and go home. So now, look, first in my career, come on. Yeah, I, man, you had a driver's license. I was giving you 50 grand, and I, I've matured. And I've grown up. And I think that the business has changed, too. It's not the good old boy network. I kind of miss the good old boys. You know, the corporation, like you said, Harris before with Terrence Watanabe um, kind of ruined it. 
for me, for what I do, I'm kind of an old school guy, I guess, even though when I started, I was the youngest. Did you ever pour it on? You, you said you've had some regrets, but did you ever pour it on you? Know, the booze, the women, the perks, anything, you know, again, just to get that guy. Yes. To. Yes. Absolutely. How often? You know, when I was younger, could, you know, the, the bad thing was, is as a host and you, you get wrapped up in that lifestyle, then you think uh, you can spend money like they do. And I've seen a lot of my friends that are hosts not last in the business because they did get wrapped up into it. Just like now we have nightclub hosts and you know, man, they're out till five in the morning drinking with their customers because they get a piece of the bottle sales. Same thing. Um, yeah, you know, I think, you know, having a family, having a daughter, I think really grounded me, but you know, back in the day, yeah. Uh, you know, especially as an independent rep, you know, I'd try to take guys to three or four different casinos in one weekend just so I could keep making commission off of them. You know, would you say you've you've gained morality? Uh, God, has Steve Sear gained morality? That's a fair question. Yeah, no, I I think just better business sense. I learned that. Look, I'd rather have a guy and he loses ten thousand every month with me than one trip he blows a hundred grand, has a terrible taste in his mouth for the town, for gambling, and me. Doesn't feel like he got any value, and I never see him again. So I think I've just made better business decisions, and now. I know when to pull a guy back. You know, if a guy's had too much to drink, look, dude, you've already lost 30 grand a day. That's enough. But was that the job? Was it the job to really basically suck them dry? Uh, yeah. Casinos want to expand and build, and w we need that money to keep going. I mean, I think if you asked any casino, if you asked Steve Wind, you know, do you want Kerry Packer back in the day to come in and win $5 million or lose $5 million? What's he going to say? I need him to lose $5 million. I mean, City Center, is that ever going to make any money? No. They need everybody that walks in there to lose. They're not making any money. They're never going to cover that debt. That's why they sold Treasure Island for cheap, and they're going to probably sell another property here pretty soon. I mean, it's not a secret. Fertitas, Station Casinos declared bankruptcy. The Amazon bankrupt. I mean, man, we need people to come in and drop some coin, or we're not going to make it. I mean, that's the reality. What else would all 2 million people be living in Clark County for? You know, so sometimes I get people, and originally when I was on the Montel Williams show, oh, gambling's corrupting America, gambling's crushing our, our moralities. Let me tell you, kids don't grow up anymore, Lewis, and say, I want to work in a factory. I want to work in a steel mill. You know, they're working at rehab or a bartender or valet parker making 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 grand a year. And, you know, why else would people be going to BlackRock, Colorado or Florida? I mean, gaming is, look at the job it's creating. So, you know, you're never going to win that argument with me, man. I mean, else nobody would be living in Las Vegas. All right. You went back. You said uh, that you you have a good weekend if you could give him a smile, a handshake, and he's happy. Right. He walks away happy. All right. So how do, how do you do that? If he lost millions that weekend, how do you get him to feel happy? Well, I, okay, I had a guy, and it was his wish to meet Floyd Mayweather. Okay. And so he lost two hundred grand, but I set up where he got to have a beer with Floyd. And to him, that was, you know, everyone's got their little niche, and that was it. You know, one guy wanted to meet, uh, what's the little country guy singer? I mean, he's literally about five foot tall. Oh, Kenny Chesney? Kenny Chesney. <sighs> if my wife can just meet Kenny Chesney, I said, well, I don't know, buddy. You know, you're only a $10,000 player. The meet and greet, you got to put up at least fifty grand. He put up more. He played his ass off. He, he was up and got a little greedy. He was up about sixty grand, lost it back in the other fifty. But when he left, he was happy because, you know what? My lady got to meet Kenny Chesney. That was the best 50 grand I ever spent. Now, those stories don't happen all the time. Okay, I see you laughing at me. But, yeah, that, but that's the perception. Hey, you came in. We rolled out the red carpet. And, and believe me, a lot of times they'll win. But if they win, instead of coming back in two months, they come back in two weeks.
you know, when a guy wins, it's my job to get back on the phone and say, hey, you know, you got some of our money. Come back and win so I can work for you, you know? Well, this is about you, not me. We're talking, okay. <laughs> with, we're talking with Steve Sorry. Sear. He's a career casino host, and over the course of his 20-year career, has handled some of the biggest gamblers, as we've been calling them, as they're known, whales in Las, in Las Vegas. Steve Sear is the subject of author Deke Castleman's book, Whale Hunt in the Desert, Secrets of a Vegas Superhost. You talked about some of the things you've had to do to go out and find these whales. And, and you even mentioned that it takes time, in some cases years, to try to win them over. Um, you got to build that trust. What, tell me a little bit about some of the, I guess, craziest experiences in trying to find whales the furthest you've traveled. You know, what have you had to do? Uh, furthest that I traveled was Greece. And I flew there just on the IFCOM. I knew that the customer that I had been pursuing, he hung up on me several times on the phone. But he had heard of me. And he was a frequent traveler to Las Vegas and specifically Caesar's Palace. And I went to Greece and literally stayed for four or five days and at his business. And I finally got to see him. And, you know, when he saw me, and here's the kid from Kansas that flew all the way around the world to meet him, uh, he was pretty cool to me. And I gave him my pitch. And uh, when he came to town, I got him. You know, so uh, that was probably the furthest I've ever traveled. Usually it's just, you know, I'm a telemarketing background, um, as the book will tell you. I sold but you know what? Telemarketers, you know, they, they, they have a pitch. Right. All right. They have a script they follow. Correct. But you're trying to win over a whale. As you mentioned, you know, these risk takers, these gamblers, and, and they're gambling a lot of money. I'd imagine there's no script. You'd, everybody's a little well, different. Well, I had one whale call me to tell me that if I called him again, I'd hear from his attorneys. And uh, he lived in New York, and I said, that's fine. I just wanted you to know that, and I'm not going to say the executive's name, but Mr. Smith is really screwing you. And he goes, why? And I go, you just lost a million and a half, didn't you? And he yelled at me, and I go, what discount did you get? He goes, 5%. I go, you should get at least 10. You're a businessman. You just ate 75 grand. You should have got 150 off. You only got 75, and I got him. He was calling to tell me, never call me again. You're going to hear from my attorney. I said, listen, just use me. I'm just trying to get you the best deal. Would you go into divorce court without an attorney? Well, you're a whale. You need the best guy to cut your deal. Remember, I'm a broker. I'm trying to get the player the best deal and keep the casino happy. I'm actually on his side. I'm going to tell him, you should get this airfare up front. You should get this in promotional chips up front. Man, you, you, know, you should get 90 days to pay. You don't have to pay that in 30 days. And you should get this much of a discount. And you're not even getting the most liberal rules. Do you ever have to go through family to get to a whale? <laughs> uh, I'm going to yeah. take that as a yes. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that story's in the book, but there's kind of a semi-famous person that, yeah, I, I did uh, go through the family to get to him. And he was a problem gambler, and uh, the family did end up putting him in um, GA, Gamblers Anonymous and everything, which uh, I'm not going to sit there and try to say I helped do that. But, uh, yeah, I have gone through the family. That's, that was a good question. That was a good one. But when you're going through that family, I mean, you, you knew in particular that this person, and you're not going to mention their name, that's fine, but that they had a gambling problem. Right. Do you go after gamble, uh, people who have gambling addictions? No. You said they're risk takers. Yeah, no. Uh, usually, look, if, if it gets, you usually know when it's getting really bad because they're getting broke or they start to get really late on their marker payments. You know, a, a real good check and balance system is called central credit. We're just like if, you know, it's not like your TRW credit, but we know when a guy, we call it a rounder, and he owes several casinos. And I don't think people realize, especially a guy in my position, I say no a lot more than I say yes, a lot more. No, I'm not giving you more credit. No, I'm not going to give you longer time to pay. 
No, I'm not giving you more concert tickets. No, I'm not flying you in. I'd imagine you lose people that way. Yeah, but you know what? It, it's it, but that's okay. I'd rather lose them than bury them, and then it has to go to the district attorney's office, and then they mark it up ten percent. And then you know, I've had people that have been extradited for four grand, and one girl they took her kid and put it in childcare because she bounced four one thousand dollar markers, which is four felony counts in the great state of Nevada. She had been with her kids and coming back from Mexico, they scanned her passport. Boom, bench warrant in Nevada. They took her kids. She sat on a bus and had to drive here for four days and then wait another weekend to see a judge and was away from her kids for over four grand. Well, she should have paid her marker, and we tried to work with her. But once they put that bench warrant out, man, they don't know. You've got to go see a Nevada judge. Dee Castleman writes about how you harpooned Larry Flint, a porn mogul from Hustler Magazine. How'd you do it? Man, I sent him a fruit basket literally every Monday for about six months. And then one time, just to heckle me, he called me on a Monday. He's like, Sear, where's my basket? You know, it's late. Um, I got kicked out of his office. I got in a fight with one of his security guards. And then finally, he was at the Rio. And um, my boss uh, at the Hilton had, had big testicles. And he gave me a hundred grand cash from the cage and said, go get Larry. And I went over and said, Mr. F, I'm Steve Sear. He goes, oh, you're the kid that keeps coming. I go, here you go. Here's a gift. I hope you come over and make me look good and play it. And he did the right thing. He brought that and a million bucks and came over and uh, and played, and I got him. And that's exa- it took me about seven months, literally every week calling, going over. And uh, we became good friends, and I hosted his bachelor party. That's a whole other off-color story. <laughs> but uh, And I, still, I just went to his birthday party at his new Hustler Club. And so, yeah, that was cool. You mentioned you're an independent contractor. Uh, I, I have a, uh, a junket license in the state of Nevada, so I'm what's called a junket rep. Uh, in Nevada and other jurisdictions. My business model is I'm one-stop shopping for the whale. You're freezing your ass off in New York? Let me put you on Norwegian Cruise Line and take a cruise or take the wife down to the Bahamas. You want to really have fun in Vegas? Come stay at the Hard Rock. You don't work for the casinos? Uh, I do. I'm an independent contractor for all the casinos. So wherever they want to go, you want to gamble in, uh, you want to go snow skiing with the kids? Caesars Tahoe. You want to go to SeaWorld? We'll go to the Barona. But but I've been I've worked at several casinos here. I've been fired nine times, so I finally went independent. Are all are all host independent contractors? They no, in the same no, boat? no, no. There, there's 540 casino hosts in Las Vegas, and I'm still one of the youngest junket reps. No, most hosts, and I just I my most recent say employee job. I was senior director of player development for the Hard Rock in Vegas. And now I've just decided to go independent with them. So my deal with the Hard Rock was is in Clark County. I only work for them, but outside of Nevada, I can still. Is, wouldn't it be advantageous for the casino if it was an independent? Because e- even if you said that there are you know, a few things that you would do, mm-hmm. but other hosts might. Other hosts might get some of those things that are illegal. Wouldn't that be good for the casino? Because then they could just wash their hands from it and say, well, you know, we Listen, didn't. the casino, and I can guarantee you this, because a lot of um, casinos have gotten in trouble lately because of their nightlife groups that are independent, you know, pure management group or angel management group. Who's ever in their four walls? They're responsible for, whether you're an independent agent or on-the-clock employee. And Nevada doesn't mess around with that, I can tell you. So so not really. Anyone that they let bring in, or like me, I also have to collect from my players, that casino is responsible for. So I definitely have the reputation that I've been a little wild and crazy, and uh, but I also have the reputation that, you know, I'm by the book. We're, we're talking with Steve Sear. He's the subject of author Dee Castleman's book, Whale Hunt in the Desert, Secrets of a Vegas super host. 
Uh, let's talk about casino hosting in the past compared to now. You start, you sort of touched on it a little while ago. Uh, Dee Castleman also wrote about back in the day, quote, everything was about juice, baby. The, the confidential relationship, the private deal, and the individual details were only recorded in people's heads, end quote. What is that juice that he's writing about? Yeah, you know, uh, well, well, first of all, to, to back up, I think, to answer that question, uh, when I first started, this is how you became a host. You were a dealer. You're a good dealer, and you've dealt for a couple of years now. We make you what's called a floorman in charge of that section. And now you've done that about five, six, eight years, and now you're a pit boss. And, ooh, you're the pit boss. You've got all the power to comp. And now you've been a pit boss for 10 or 15 years, and you know all of our customers, so we make you a casino host. When I first started in 84, I remember, like it was yesterday, they was like, well, you need to go deal first. You should you know, forget your your degree from UNLV and you think you're a salesman, you need to deal first and then we'll make you a casino host. I never dealt one day in my life. I never had any operations experience. I got on the phone, called people, I got players and hustled them out of the pit. So in the old days, yeah, that was the juice and give him 5,000, give him 10,000. We just write their name literally in a big book. Now, yeah, you know, the, the, the floorman and the pit boss, they, they sometimes can't even comp. You know, and you've got to wait in line. Uh, and I don't like that old school. And how many points do I have? And change the points into this. You know, at Caesars, when I was even a slot host, I could just look. And if I walked up and looked like you were gambling big and had a wad of cash, hell, you're my guest and you're room, food, and beverage. You're That's the wink and the nod. Correct. Exactly. And so now, you know, man, uh, well, does he have the points? You know, corporations have really... I actually, th- th- there's some good and bad. The good is, boy, we really know who to mail to. I mean, I can sit down and say, okay, this fight's coming up. These are the price of the tickets. I want customers with a theoretical loss of at least 16000 from California, and they get me the list, and we know that if we invite these people, theoretically we should win this amount of money, so this is what we're going to spend on the event. Because you had old hosts that were still comping their buddies and their wise guys, and so I, I like now that we comp who we should comp. You know, back in the day, you know. And it sounds, it sounds like it was just a skill that you were picking up it's not a book learning thing. It's 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 street smarts. You, Absolutely. It's something you just picked up as you were going. Absolutely. I, well, I, I worked in, uh, I sold vitamins to get through college. Uh, and I think that just that sales experience on the phone r- really helped me. And then my first job, I was in the dice pit at Caesars at age 22. And if you bought in for 300 bucks, I introduced myself and it was Saturday. They said, tell them to come back Sunday for Sunday brunch. And that's how I met my first players. Host today, and you said yourself, you're one of the old guys now. Yeah, you're you're yeah. ancient in the business. I'm 46, and uh, I used to be the youngest by 30 years, but now, like at the Hard Rock, we have 14 hosts, and I am the next to the last oldest. Most of the hosts are early 20s. So these to 30. these young guys coming up and hosting today, how different is it from what you know what you were doing when you were coming up? Um, none of them have really much uh, gaming experience. Uh, you know, in college, I was at least a sports book writer at the Barbary Coast, so I was around gamblers and stuff. A lot of them don't know how to handle the old school type of gambler, and I don't necessarily mean old as an age, but just, you know, guys that come from a gambling background have been gambling their whole life, and what's interesting is uh, there's so much competition now that people can compare it to everything. You know, when I first started, it was either Atlantic City or Vegas. And Atlantic City is always cold, so where do you want to come? God, now, you know, you can gamble in California and Florida and Kentucky and Kansas City. And so the host really has got to be sharp because there's a lot of other places they can gamble, especially, you know, where they live. And they can even like we didn't have local casinos. There's a lot of great local gamblers in Las Vegas. I mean, a ton. You wouldn't believe how many guys that live in Clark County that'll go blow fifty do you, do, grand. Do you have weekend. any whales here? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I've got some really good players that 
that uh, live in Clark County, thank God. And, you know, they've been gamblers, and it's a great place to retire and no state tax. And right now you can buy a $2 million home for under a million, so... <laughs> There's a lot of deals out there. We've done shows on that, too. In the book, it's noted that you came up in a sort of transitional phase in Las Vegas. The the old world mob feel was still around, but, Mm -hmm. you know, Las Vegas was at the beginning of that transformation into what it is now. You you got a taste of those two worlds. You may be very unique in that sense. You know, when you think of that, what the differences? Uh, Well, I I tell you, when I was at the Desert Inn and all the guys were like 60 years old and they were talking about how, you know, they were with Elvis at the Hilton. You know, when Wayne Newton was growing up, too, even when I started the Hilton in the 80s, we had Wayne Newton. But they talk about how Elvis would come in and how, you know, man, all these guys did was um, walk around and they were the, the gods of the casino, you know. And, and a mentor uh, definitely in my career was a man named Jimmy Newman. And uh, he, he was just wonderful. He, w- he started dealing dime craps at the Sahara. That's how he broke into the business. And then he helped bring Kerry Packer to town. He went from literally dime crap dealer to, you know, senior vice president of all Hilton Corporation. And, man, he was my idol because Jimmy knew how to just, you know, when he walked in the casino, it was like he owned the place, man. And so I like that type of power that they had. And they were very charismatic. And, you know, the host, got to remember at the DI, you know, the host would drink in the office. You know, smoking and drinking in the office. They were the, they just came to party every day. Is that the difference that Castleman was trying to make in his book? He says, you know, nowadays it's these Harvard MBAs, Brooks Brothers clad bosses, <laughs> and as he says, tweezer butt bookkeepers. Oh my God! Yeah, well, that's why I've been fired because I just yeah the bookkeepers just drive me crazy. Well, you know, why did you comp this guy ten tickets to the show? Well, it's it's air. You know, when I walk you into Santana, it's it's already sold out. Yeah, it's ten tickets times a hundred dollars that you print on the ticket. I didn't comp him a grand, and he just lost five grand. Yeah, the the the, the CFOs. I haven't met a CFO yet that I really get along with. What well, do you like. feel? Do you feel that you're getting squeezed out then? Um. I, I think uh, four or five years ago, I would have said yes. But now with the economy, they're coming back to the old school guys. They need us. Like junket reps were kind of a thing of the past. And now because uh, we only get paid on new business or inactive business, junket reps are becoming much more popular. I my, my Actually, I think the old school way has come really back. I'd also would attribute that, and Deke makes a good point, of Vegas. Remember when the MGM Grand tried to build the big family theme park and all that BS? Of course it went away. We were trying to be the family place for a while. What has brought Vegas back? Sin City. What happens here stays here. I think our mayor has done a really good job of making us, you know, Sin City again. And I think the old school Vegas hostways are coming back in the same manner. Interesting you said, by the way, back in the day, People like Elvis were you know, the kings when they walked into the casino. But nowadays, celebrities and whales don't walk through the casino. Yeah. You said it. They go in their own door. Right. If Paris Hilton walks in the front, it's because we paid her and TMZ is going to be there and all of that. And she's not walking through a lot of casinos. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, that's a bad you know, example. Here's the other thing. This is an inside world. Why tell all? Uh, well, first of all, I didn't tell all. Uh, I've been asked that question a lot. You know, I told 20%. Um, I don't know, I guess because I was independent. Uh, Huntington Press and Deke approached me. They talked to me about a year and said, hey, we want to do a book on Casino Host and the Inner World. And uh, I, I guess I was naive to just how little information was out there. Uh, Deke Castleman writes in his book, quote, It could be said that Steve Sear and his fellow casino marketing executives are merely event planners who happen to have the world's most plentiful, elaborate, and seductive party favors at their disposal. It could also be said 
that they exploit the basest proclivities, greed, lust, gluttony, envy, of the most decadent element of society. He continues, it could be that they're simply giving people what they want, and it could be said that they're vampires sucking the life out of the weak, end quote. So to which of those would you character, characterize yourself in this business? <sighs> Was well, that fair? Yeah, you know, it's fair. I like, I saw an interview with, uh, again, I, I mean, I love our mayor, and he said, you know, people need Vegas. People need that release. I think there's a good story in the book that will help answer that question where we're required by Nevada law at every outlet to have a pamphlet that is called When the Fun Stops. And if you answer yes, I'm making this part up, you know, three of the 10 questions, yes, you might have a gambling problem. And they're questions like, do you ever chase your winnings? Do you ever lie to your spouse about how much you gamble? Do you ever say you're going to gamble for two hours and you stay for two days? And it's a great story in the book because I have a customer and he's coming in this weekend. I'm picking him up tomorrow and he's like, when the fun stops, he goes, are you kidding? Without Vegas, I would blow my head off. I'm in charge of 600 employees. I've got two ex-wives that are driving me nuts. My kids, I don't know if they're going to drop out of college. If I didn't have Vegas and come blow off some steam, I'd go nuts. Yes, I always gamble. And without Vegas, I wouldn't be as successful as I am today. Now, that might be a rare opinion, but I think it's really cool how, and that's what Oscar says, people need Vegas. They're a place where they can be different. You know, the girl that... But are you the seducer or the vampire? kind of both i'm kind of both because you know you're right i make a living off when they piss away a lot of money you know that i'm not a and librarian you feel okay with that yeah i do i do I, I i didn't maybe when i started you know especially coming from salina kansas but yeah i, I i'm pretty proud of uh, my accomplishments and uh, my career Steve Sears' life and career as a host is chronicled in the book Whale Hunt in the Desert, Secrets of a Vegas Superhost. Steve Sear, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. And thank you for joining us. Our producers are Lee Hernandez and Irene Noguchi. Ian Milchrist is our senior producer. Rich Copeland, our technical director. And Adam Burke is our news director. I'm Luis Hernandez. For more on this and other editions of KNPR State of Nevada, visit our website, knpr.org.